In this episode, I have the pleasure of introducing you to Brian Fanzo, another shiny ADHD star who's doing some amazing things. And in this episode, he shares his journey of late in life diagnosis. He is a speaker that inspires and motivates and educates businesses on how to leverage emerging technologies and digital marketing to stand out from the noise and engage with customers. He is a proud pager-wearing millennial and dad of three girls who hosts two podcasts, has traveled to over 70 countries, and has spoken to many of the world's largest events, including South by Southwest, Social Media Marketing World, Consumer Electronics Shows, and Mobile World Congress. And he is here to share how he went through his late in life diagnosis journey of ADHD, how he's doing with it now and how he's thriving and stay all the way to the end. Brian does share some really awesome tips and his amazing perspective of his late in life diagnosis. Let's get into it. Welcome to Proudly ADHD at work and in business. I am your host, Coach Kathy Rashidian, and I help professionals like you understand the science behind your unique brain so you can unlock that inner genius. Ready to transform your ADHD into your best asset? Keep listening. Welcome to another episode with Coach Kathy. I am back again with another shining star. As, as you all know by now, the, the community, the ADHD community for me, I just see all of us as shining stars. We're shining bright. And I have Brian Fanzo with me today. I'm so excited. And yes, I'm going to talk about Clubhouse again because like it's a thing in my life. It's a thing in my work now. It's the way I connect to communities. So if you are not on Clubhouse, come on Clubhouse. We host rooms. We talk about ADHD. And it's awesome because I get to meet people like Brian. And just the backstory a little bit, I came across Brian's profile in social media on Instagram last year, and he was talking about virtual, virtual events and how to get people engaged. And I'm like, oh my God, this guy's totally talking my language. And, you know, I put a comment on his post, didn't think anything of it, moved on. And I was just like, that was really good. I love that there's speakers that really understand virtual speaking. What is it like? How does it like to engage community? And then fast forward to a few months ago where I'm like, oh my God, it's the same guy. Now he's on Clubhouse and he's ADHD. Like what? So Brian, welcome. Well, thank you for having me. And that is the power of Clubhouse. I think serendipity, right? It's the thing that's been missing on social media and it exists on Clubhouse and we're able to drop into each other's worlds and share stages and, you know, have conversations and then kind of take it into an arena like this. So excited to be here. Awesome. Awesome. So let's get into it, Brian. You were late in life diagnosed. And to my listeners, I always bring on the late in life diagnosed folks and just everybody's journey is so interesting and fascinating for me. And I, I think through these conversations, people pick up their own insights and nuggets. So can you give us the backstory of how did it come about that? Hey, I've got an ADHD kick-ass brain. What's going on? Sure. Yeah. So I always say I'm a pager wearing millennial, which just means I turned 40 this year. I was born in 1981. So that adds like a little bit of context to, uh, and the reason I say pager wearing is people always would say like, oh, millennials are born on their iPhone and on Facebook. And I'm like, no, actually I had a pager and I didn't have access to Facebook because I wasn't in college anymore when it came out. And so, and I share that because you know, the age piece of it is, is a value add too, because 
So I was diagnosed at 31 and I, the day changed my life. Like I know where I parked my car and the clothes I was wearing. But the, the context to it is that I would have never gone to the doctor's without hesitation, if my brother hadn't gotten diagnosed before me. But even after he got diagnosed, he was diagnosed four years before I ever went to the doctor. And it's the youngest brother. I'm the oldest of three. And for me, the idea of medicine, of mental health, of even understanding ADHD, like for me, there was this weird idea, like I might have it, but like, cool. Like, what is it? That doesn't do anything for me. Like, that was like my like thoughts through my twenties. And I, it would often be sprinkled in like, oh, Brian, you might have ADHD, but you're so successful. You're, you're killing it. You're doing amazing things. But then they would caveat sometimes with saying like things like, you know, but imagine if you, you know, applied yourself or met, you know, and so I actually was talking to my brother, uh, my youngest brother, Dustin. And at the time, like he was talking about, he was on Adderall and he was talking about how he went from like, not only the kind of like lack of motivation and lack of focus, but a much better understanding. And we were having a conversation and my mom was actually getting on me since I was in high school. I've struggled to sleep much at all, really like, let's say four hours on average, long before ADHD medicine and, and diagnosed. And it's just been, it, it happened my senior year in high school. Like, I don't know what happened in my like life and world. Nothing traumatic. I was, I, I'm very blessed. And, but I remember it feeling like all of a sudden I would just, I would you know, not fall asleep till three in the morning and wake up at seven. I'm good to go. And like, literally I operate that way. And that was really concerning my mom. Like, just like, she's like, something's wrong. And my brother um, said, like, he's like, Hey, let me find this paperwork that I got for my ADHD from four years ago. He's like, I actually think one of the like symptoms, one of the things was like, like not being able to turn your brain off at night. And then we went, and I remember like, we like went through the first things. I was like, Oh man. I was like, that's so interesting. Like I never associated that to it. Now I will tell you all these years later, I had no idea. I didn't so associate anything. <laughs> like there's so many things in my life. And so my brother was like, you should go to the doctors. And, and I, I'm, I was also admit like up until that point, I was one that I've always been really healthy, hyperactive, played college hockey. I worked at, you know, I played adult league hockey, coached a hockey team, you know, just kind of like, kind of like my life. And I was not one that went to the doctors or the idea of like taking a regular medicine to me was like, I didn't know anyone in my life that was doing it. So it was very foreign, but I went into the doctors and I mean, I think it was like 11 minutes in, he was like, yeah, I think you definitely are diagnosed. And like, and it was, he was great. And I, I mean, I attribute a lot to the diagnosis being like giving me the freedom to realize I wasn't broken. I was just different, but I would also say the way that he kind of welcomed me in to understand, like here's, he's like, this is your start for understanding yourself at a new level. And I think like many of us that are late diagnosed, I went through that like euphoria of like, oh my gosh, like this is, this is it. Like, this is me. Like, okay, I now understand myself. And then we go to this place of like, what in the heck is going on? How did no one see this before? How did no one help me along the way? And I mean, I had that, 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 that bitter side and I'll say like, so I'll jump forward real quick and kind of tie back is about a year later, right? So I'm, and I originally, we didn't try medicine. We tried a couple of different things. And then he's like, I'm gonna start you on a slow dose. And then my brother, his dosage on Adderall and his, it changed his personality. He became a different person. And so much so that we were kind of all talking about it. And then eventually his wife, who was an amazing uh, woman, she was just like, you gotta, we gotta, we gotta stop this. He was, he just turned into, he was short tempered. He was like, just be just mean and mad. And he's the person, like one of the nicest people. And, and, you know, lo and behold, now I, his dosage was just really high. He kept, you know, every couple of months going back and saying, I need more, to, you know, and so I, it scared me. It like scared me. I went to the doctor and said, I'm not coming back for medicine. I'm not, I will treat this myself. You know, I was very like that, that like piece of it. And I'm so blessed. Like the, the doctor I had, in, I, it was in Arizona. I don't live in Arizona anymore, but he was like, well, Brian, let's, let's work through some things, but let's also talk about 
how life impacting that was for you on the medicine. And, and during this time, so my, I was diagnosed, my brother had already been previously diagnosed. My brother, my youngest brother is having to come off it. And we were having kind of this open discussion with my family at the dinner table. It was at Thanksgiving. I remember it very well. And my mom just started tearing up. And my mom is like the head of my family. She is like my rock star. I'm a mama's boy. And she's like, I have to admit that at 11 years old, you were diagnosed. And and she's like, she went back to her circle of friends and like, and she holds some like resentment from like that piece of it. I know. And I'm so thankful she told me, especially because fast forward, but, and she was like at 11, you were diagnosed. And when she told her friend group, the assumption was like only bad parents medicate your kids. And not only did my mom kind of put that out, but like, she didn't like, and I, and I, I believe my mom wholeheartedly because she cares about me every way she kind of just blocked it out like I mean I struggled so much through high school and and like reading has been my one of my biggest struggles my entire life and I know like if she would have remembered that like along the way and like the journey but it wasn't until the bad reaction to my brother having the medicine and a doctor kind of welcoming me in and saying like we're going to find a better approach that she had like the it kind of like the aha moment of remembering back when I was 11 and so that was kind of like that journey and the interesting part is a year and a half ago my daughter was diagnosed at nine years old and it's a chance for me to live it from a from a dad's perspective to give my daughter you know hope and uh, and like the connections and maybe the things that I for a little bit was bitter that I didn't have but yeah that was the diagnosis journey it was I'm very blessed that you know the doctor was great I'm so glad my brother you know kind of uh, put me through that and the other piece of that just to connect that one dot is you know the doctor came up with this idea of a drug holiday I've shared that with you on on Clubhouse and it's been amazing every seven days for last many years so like seven years I just take a day with no medicine and that day is very it's a it's a self-care self-love day it's a very struggle the day is very difficult but the the win is I'm over five years without increasing the dose of my medicine and I'm we are hyper aware my fa- my family is now we talk about mental health not only with my daughters but with my brothers and my mom in a r- world that I never did and we are we check in like hey am I Am I acting kind of like the way that my, my youngest brother, you know, kind of started manifesting? And so that's, yeah, it's been a, a wild, interesting ride. And, and actually, interesting enough, that at 34, so three years after diagnosed, was actually kind of the first time I ever put it out publicly as well. So I had the kind of like, I had, you know, when, when people like assume that I was diagnosed at 31, they kind of assume that it went with, because I'm, I'm a full-time public speaker, you know, I'm on stages, mm-hmm. I, I host old podcasts and things. I, I, even though it changed my life to be diagnosed and like part of it, I just didn't feel like anyone needed to know. It was like a cool, like, and I was working on myself, but it wasn't until like, until I was 34, three years later that it became not only a big part of my brand, it's part of my intro. It's part of like everything that kind of came on, but that was a journey as well. So it was late diagnosed at 31, kind of stepped into my own at 34. And I would argue uh, at 38, I started to realize that I need to be more self-aware and now we're on that journey. So uh, yeah, it's been fun. It's interesting. It's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. I had goosebumps the whole time. I I teared up about your mom. Oh, I can't just as a mom, I'm a mom to a four-year-old and man, like, you know, it's, it's some days I look at her and my husband's like, what do you think? I'm like, I'm not thinking nothing. I'm just observing. I'm just watching how she's going because let's be real. It's genetic. And it, 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 she may or may not and to even say it out loud like this, it, it's like, I, I just can't imagine with your mom with the three boys. And, you know, Brian, one thing I love that you say about medication and your view towards it. And I think there's a lot in that. It's like this, this state of mind of, of okay, I'm going to accept this. I'm going to see where it goes. And just be curious about it and giving yourself the permission to 
with all the fear and, and you had a perfect example of your brother in front of you going through his struggles, that is scary as hell. So I like clapping, clapping, clapping. Thank you. And I think that's, a, that's part of it too, right? Where I, I think, you know, like for my mom, like, like even discussing like this happened this weekend, my, my daughters were on my, it was my dad's birthday and we were doing this video chat and my mom just like, you know, made two comments and I was like, well, you know, that's part of my ADHD. Mm-hmm. And she messaged me afterwards and she's like, each time you share this, Brian, I see these signs and these things that I, how did no one bring it to yeah. my light? Like, and like, and like, part of it is like, I mean, I'm on club, we're on clubhouse. I, I mean, I have a document that says things I didn't know that were ADHD related that are, and then the document just keeps going. And it doesn't mean that we've, you know, I'm preaching, but like everyone, we're not all the same. The, you know, the shades are definitely, you know, different across, but for me, like that identity and figuring out, okay, well, that might be something that's a tied here. And like, is it something I'm going to live with? Is it something I'm going to try to figure out how to work around? <laughs> is it something I want to, like, I can figure out for? And like, even I posted this morning on social just because I had a couple of people reach out to me through the ADHD journey and sharing some things that, I'd just say assumptions they were making based on the way that I was kind of talking about some things. And I was like, wait a second, like, it is my superpower. But if I had to, had a wish to not have it, I would say not to have it right now. I would, I would, I would mm. gladly just not have it. And, and it's not that I haven't figured out now. And it's part of like the reason I'm able to do all of these amazing things that I've done. But, you know, I think that also has to do with the late diagnosis, the amount of things that I've changed my life. I've changed the way I look at people and things and feedback yeah. and all because I just didn't understand that I was, my brain just worked differently all these years. And, you know, that's, it's, you know, I, I know like my mom, when she shared that and like even her saying this thing on the weekend was, was so eye-opening that she was like, it, she, it, there is like that feeling. And I think that's what motivates me to like loud and proud because I don't yeah. want one other mother or father to feel what my mom feels right now. And in many ways feels what, you know, many of us that were late diagnosed felt. Absolutely. Let, let's go into the past and into the corporate life of if you knew because I, I I relate to that too and and then the transition into coming into entrepreneurship what were some of the now that you look back some of the telltale signs in the corporate side that you were like oh that was ADHD moment what were some of those things Ooh, there's a lot of them. So I worked for the government, uh, the U.S. government here in um, Washington, D.C. in cybersecurity. And I didn't go to school for cybersecurity. I went to of school, course not. Uh, yeah, of course not. It was business information systems. And I, I got a job offer to take a help desk job. And I got an overnight help desk job at the time. And then thankfully for me, kind of raised my hand and six months later, was promoted four roles up and eventually ran a team of you know 32 direct reports, 141 people on my team, $19 million a year budget we ran for the government. I traveled to Iraq and Afghanistan. I've been to 76 countries. And so when I look back, like, I mean, worked government, I mean, I had the highest civilian clearance you could get. They had to do a polygraph and uh, all of these things that were going on in my life. The things that I start to like, that really stand out were my success, my desire to, to work smarter and be louder than most people was my defense mechanism for hiding what I looked at as my shortcomings, my vulnerabilities. And I mean, the biggest one, probably more so than anything else was my reading and writing, right? Reading and writing uh, for my entire life. And, and I, I actually have been asking myself recently, since my daughter was diagnosed dyslexia and ADHD, I wonder how much of that relates into me because I don't really understand that piece of it, right? And it's been eye-opening. And for me, like, I, like in high school, I, w- I was perfect attendance in high school, perfect attendance. And 
going into my middle of my junior year, I had a 1.4 GPA. And my counselor was like, what do you want to do after school? And I said, college. And he laughed. And he laughed. He's a family friend, but he didn't laugh at me like laughing. But he was like, what are you talking about, Fanzo? Like, that's not your thing. Like, it's not going to happen. And I was like, well, yeah, it is. I want to be the first one in my family. And he's like, well, you sure don't like work hard enough for it in school. And like, I was very blessed. And I will say this, like, as we look at like, education teachers, I had two teachers that understood that the way that I was being educated at the moment was not going to get me to get me the goal that I needed. And the mother of my kids is a school teacher and I have the you know, most utmost respect for that profession. But I had two teachers that put me into AP classes in my senior year mm. in classes that I got a D in my junior year. So I got into AP English uh, and AP math. And, and the reason was, was because they understood the things that I struggled with, the reading of books and being able to comprehend that that was my weakness. And in the regular level class, that was the number one thing you were graded on. In the higher level class, it was the presentation of information. Because I was always been the kid that will raise my hand and ask questions. I have never been apologized. I will answer everything. Then you give me a test. And it's not only is it, I mean, I'm a horrible test taker, but I was also like, I mean, the parody and that, you know, this is all like laughing now, but I also, I share it because I think it's also like a learning journey. Cause I'm, I'm one that like, for me, these are all things that made me stronger, but I also think there's some things that we have to do is like when we did like this during our graduation from high school and, and I got a 2.0 GPA, literally 2.0. I got into two universities on to play hockey and go to school. And it was thankful to those teachers that were just amazing to me. But the parody was when I went up to get my diploma because you know, like I said, I loved school friends with everyone. It was like, it was so much fun for me. They like pulled the, the chair and they put it like kind of like the next to the chair and they, well, we all know where Fanzo sat most of his high school year, which was outside the classroom in the hallway. And that was literally because I was such a distraction. And I, and it, I, I would get in trouble. My parents were very, like my parents, were, you know, stayed on top of me and I didn't ever really didn't have answers for any of that. Like, I was just like, I understand that I'm a distraction. Like, and I would try to, to sit still and then, then all, you know, all hell would break loose. And then they would move me closer to the teacher. And then I would ask too many questions. And then they put me like, you know, over, you know, and so, it became a, it was kind of a thing like, well, Fanzo sits outside the class because, you know, you know, he's going to sit out there to do it. Huh. And, and so it was just kind of like the thing. And then I got into college and that to me was the biggest disappointment for me. I think in like this journey, like in, even into was, I just assumed when I got to pick my major and I got to live on my own, like college, which like all that would fall in place. Like it was like, oh, look, now reading will be easy. <laughs> now I'll be able to prioritize and not miss classes. That was a big thing for me in college. Like knowing that I, like the time piece of it is, oh my goodness, this is so compelling to me because there were so many things that I wanted to do that I would just miss or show up way late for. And it had nothing to do with my desire to do it. And yet at the time, everyone put that on me and it was such a like embarrassment um, for me. And so like in, it, I leave college and couldn't get a job in my tech, ended up getting this entry-level help desk job. And it kind of came apparent to me that the idea of what was needed to succeed in school was not what I needed to do here. Like I, it, it, like I had like kind of like that aha moment. It was like a month into this like real world job for the government. And I was like, you know what? My skill set of reading people, of being empathetic, mm -hmm. of being able to build relationships, of being able to learn on the fly, being dedicated to what I what I love, I'm gonna get rewarded. Like I, I I remember feeling like, oh wait, all of you those that doubted me, like, like it was like that feeling like yes. at the time, like, like oh just watch out. And sure enough, and I will say like as exciting and as like amazing as that was, I think this is also the time that where my the 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 effects of ADHD were really probably like shining the brightest. 
but because my success, like I, I mean, I was getting promoted. They were redefining positions for me, like you master's degree and 10 years experience. And I got it. No master's degree. Thank God. Cause I was never going back to my, <laughs> go to school. And, and so for me, like through that thing, and then I started to hire people that worked for me and we would travel like just context that we traveled 45 weeks a year, my team, um, to different military bases all over the world and worked with the active duty military. And so I had to hire computer science people or people that knew uh, cybersecurity. And at, at that time, this is early 2000s, nobody went to school for that. Like it was still early. Mm-hmm. And so of the first, th- so I had 34 direct reports, 31 of them were older than I was. So as a manager, being the young kid that's loud and talkative, I had to be hire people that were older than me. And I excelled at that. Like the, the, the pieces of me being, having, not having an ego, being willing to learn, allowing other people to, and like all of these things were, and it it was not only getting promoted, but the interesting thing is like, I did nine years there. And one of the most, one of the themes in my career in my life now is I have a tendency that complacency scares me Mm. and it scares me to a level that I have a desire to blow up what everything is and start back over because I enjoy that rush of building it back up. And I, I was there nine years and we had lost a contract that we were on and they, they had promoted me into a new contract. Like it, was like, it was like a huge deal. And when they said it, they kind of said like, you know, Brian, you're, you're set for life. You're in cybersecurity. Things are taking off and you're going to work for the government for the rest of your life. And it like shook me to my core. And against all advice from all mentors and all friends, I gave up my clearance, put in my two week notice and left the government, left my clearance and said, you know what, I'm gonna go chase what I considered, quote unquote, my dream job, which was a technology evangelist. That was like the job I always wanted to have. It was, I saw this uh, guy Kawasaki at Apple. I've always loved Apple. And what he was doing he was building all these communities and people and he didn't sell, he didn't market. He was, wasn't a tech expert, but he had like the skill set that I had, like the people person. And, and, and so I, I did, I just decided to give it all up. And I actually discovered, I kind of had the weird limbo of my career at that moment because my clearance was still in, was still held. So I couldn't get another job yet. I couldn't go back to the government. So I ended up playing poker professionally for a while, which kind of worked well in this like sporadic world of, and that I can tell you is probably the moment when I look at my first discovery of understanding that I can do things differently and have to, I can adjust my life, my style and find success and not, not feel that pressure that, you know, the path of everyone else. Right. And I was doing that in the, in the government space that I was in, but I was kind of doing it in like this, like, I mean, cybersecurity was emerging. I kind of like, I, I felt like I was leaning into like a hockey curve where everything's going and I'm just kind of yeah. riding it. And like, I, I was innovating and doing some cool things, but at the same time, it wasn't until poker where it is to this day, my most Zen place that I can find. I can sit for 16 hours at a poker table and, and not on medicine or on medicine and find it, it's the perfect amount of like sensory for me. Like I can read people. Mm-hmm. I'm not a math person. And I ended up getting sponsored and traveling the world for poker. And the joke was like, I'm the only kid was what they called kid poker player that was sponsored that sucked at online poker <laughs> because online poker was about math and about focusing without distractions and not having like you know like and I, so I would have six windows up and I was just horrible I mean atrocious at online poker but put me in front of people let me build a relationship let me be you know have those conversations mm-hmm. let me and so yeah so, so that was kind of my journey and then when I got my dream job that was you know one of those things where the things that come up in my life of being late for meetings, we were a startup, we were hiring 12 new hires a week, I was in charge of onboarding these new team. And so when I hired, we started, we were 256 employees, I lasted for two years and 10 days, and we had over 600 employees. It was, wow. and when, you hear, when you hear startups, like we had the, like we had food trucks, we had days off Friday, we had a year where we weren't allowed to email each other internally, because like the, the CEO thought it was like, that was the cool thing. But that was also where 
means so many things for me where I struggle from, you know, things that I, I don't think I would, because I was manager and I was, I was reporting the CEO dotted line to the CIO and CMO. I was dropping balls left and right as far as follow up, as far as like some of the things that I just think were something like covered up or someone else's responsibility for me in that mm-hmm. journey. And so, yeah, it was it, that whole piece of it for me, because it was actually near the end of that startup. Actually, it was right around the time of that startup is when I got diagnosed ADHD. And that's also for anyone that's been on that medicine journey, that was tough. That was tough traveling. I was a face of the company. So I would get in front of 12,000 people at these events and speak. Yet I couldn't figure out why I had cotton mouth for the first time and because I'm testing yes. medicine and, and all of a sudden, like, why, why have I, like, not only am I like feeling like, a, you know, coming down from a high, but then like, and then I'm like lost and I can't figure out why I'm lost, you know? And so it was no doubt. It's been a, it's been a wild ride. Amazing. Dude, like, where do I go? <laughs> There's so many questions I want to ask. One theme that I, I'm, I'm one of those people that I pick out patterns as people are speaking and the pattern that I see was naturally you were grooving to your strength, which is people, relationships. And in all of that, even like, you know, where you were saying poker and yeah, of course you would be good at it in person because you make connection. It's so important for you. So I, I love this, this, and to the listeners is when we lean into our strengths, like the way Brian naturally did, intuitively did, that's the beauty of what happens. And I love how you went against the grain of, I don't want to be here forever and ever. And I did the same thing. 14 years in a telco, I one, one day I emailed my boss. I'm like, I quit. She's like, what do you mean you quit? And my mom was like having a heart attack. Oh, what about your pension? I'm like, no, I, I resign. It's done. It was just like you rip out the bandaid and be it impulsive or not. I think right. there's something in us that we know naturally that I'm meant for bigger and better. So, so inspiring, Brian. I, I appreciate that. So I want to ask you now that you're an entrepreneur and I see, like, I was on your website and I'm like, oh my God, all the things he does, like all these launches of like ADHD, super powered, you know, the, the I social fans, your podcast, all of that. Let's talk some, some tips and tricks, please. Yes. Productivity as it relates to Brian. What do, well, how do you view productivity in your business? Ooh, so this one, I mean, this is tough and, and, and real quick, I'll give a, the testament goes to my parents the way they raised me when you were talking about like leaning into my strengths, my, my family, we had a family business, a very uh, successful family business. And everyone from the outside assumed all three of the sons would fall into that. And my parents always insisted, you're going to follow your own dreams. You're going to chart your own path. If it means going into the family business, we're going to do it. But if it doesn't, we're going to support you. And all three of us did not. And which Mm -hmm. is very interesting in the family. And I will say all three of us, our success, our happiness is because our parents are very good at that, even when probably it was counter and they knew it was going to be harder for us in life. And uh, so I, I definitely a testament to my parents kind of allowing us to figure out our strengths, but then reminding us like that's where we have to continue to, you know, on this journey. And, and actually I, that ties perfectly into, you know, for me, like social and like digital and like this whole thing that I kind of got known for now was a struggle for me from 2010 to 2013. Uh, I was burnt out. I felt like it was so much work to put stuff online and take pictures mm-hmm. and like, write comments and like have to have a content calendar. There's just, it was just, it was beyond draining, but I was like, I was like leaning into this like space where I'm a speaker and I have to do all these things. And my mom, I, I know the date because I talked about it a lot on the thing, but November 2nd, 2013, my mom like kind of called me out and she's like, Brian, are you, are you being the same person online as you are offline? Like, you're not even wearing a hat in your profile picture. That's what she said. And, and I, because I've worn a hat since I was a, a kid. And I was like, mom, of course I am. Like, you don't know social. Like, what are you talking about? And I hung up the phone. 
I just sat there and was like, the reason I'm struggling was I was trying to tell the story that I thought everyone wanted to hear about me. And I wasn't just putting myself out there. And like so much of my offline life was literally just, hey, take it or leave it. This is how I show up. This is who I am. And it, 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 it afforded me success. It also afforded me, you know, some probably struggles in some areas, but that's just kind of how I lived. And for whatever reason, online was, I, I just fell into the filtered life. Yeah. And I wasn't faking it, but I was, the, the way that I felt I had to convey a story was so much work. Like, I mean, I, I remember like an hour for a Facebook post and like, you know, there's just like this things that were going on. And so when I realized like, wait a second, I'm just going to be myself online. It actually took this giant pressure off. Mm -hmm. And I started thinking about how do I document my life online so people can just see who I am. The word I always use is access. And so I say that because at the same time is kind of when I fell into this productivity pressure. And every time still to this day, when I read a blog post that says six things to do before 6am to be a billionaire, it is the worst thing. I'm like, well, I guess I'm not going to be a billionaire. (laughs) Shoot me in the head. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing worse. Like it's like a, and for a while, then I would, I would purposely kind of try to go against the grain. Like I don't need to be productive. I'm going to multitask and I'm going to do everything that everyone does wrong. And and that's a tendency, right? That's something that we kind of, and don't tell me what to do. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm very good at that. And so for me, one of the things I I realized with the productivity side of the house was that once, and I I owe a really good friend, um, Amy, she has a massive YouTube channel called Amy TV on YouTube. And she focused on productivity for, for females from like 12 to 25. And like talks about calendar blocking and all of these things. And as someone that was like my super close friend, I introduced her to her husband. I was able to marry the two of them. She would, she would question and like pressure me to do these things and then see my pushback and, and realize, oops, Hey, that's my, so it's two forty. It's my Adderall alarm. Sorry about that. There you go. That's a, that's part of his productivity schedule. It is. It is. Alarm things. Alarm. Lots of alarm. And she, one of the things that she kind of like kind of highlighted to me was like, well, Brian, like, I, I tell the reason I'm telling people to do this is because this is the result they're going to get. You need to figure out how to get that same result your way, because whatever you're doing is not working. And I think there was like a tendency for me to kind of like normally push back, but she kind of like, like opened it up to this idea of like, Oh, okay. So like now I need to understand, now I understand why you're operating this way and I need to, see to adapt it to me. And so I had to figure out little things like, like from like a motivation from an incentive uh, to incentivizing myself. Right. Like, and I share this because uh, uh, I'm a big Chipotle fan. It's uh, my favorite place to eat. And I started to realize that, you know, one of the things for me, and I, I don't, I'm not ever driven by money. It's never been a thing for me. And mm-hmm. in some cases it's been a detriment because money hasn't been. And I, and I have this, like probably the quality about me that most people are either don't know, or once they do know, they'll understand like overall it's like my pure joy, the, 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 be- the joy that I get the most and where like is seeing my friends and those I care about and love happy or successful. Like that is like, it is my fuel. It is my everything. And it's always been, and, and, and I will give up my time, my life, my days, if I can help those that I, I believe are doing good things. And, it, and it, it's self-serving for me in, in many ways, but that doesn't really work well when you're trying to like motivate yourself to do things, yes. you know, you have to accomplish. And before I started to track my time, which we can mention in a, in a bit, I started to realize I needed to reward myself. Right. And, and, and this along the same time I was going through a divorce where I had asked out of marriage for 13 years and also another sign of me deciding to blow things up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Lots of lessons in there. And this was also the first time I'd ever lived my own. 
my entire life because I went to college, lived in the hockey house, the fraternity house, got married. I proposed while in college, got married right out of college. We waited five years, had kids. And the mother of my child, my, my kids is an amazing mom. And I'm very blessed to, that she can, you know, help. Uh, we can co-parent and raise uh, my daughters. But I'm now like facing this idea of like on my own. And I have to do a lot of the things I didn't like doing in my real life. And I started to realize, and this is the, was the interesting aha for me was things like laundry, the, the dishwasher. And remember I travel 45 weeks a year. So like for me, like my life on the road is always very nice, but like when I'm home, like I don't, I don't, I don't need a fancy car. I don't need nice. Like for me, like my home is like, Hey, let me pour in the people I am, maybe with my daughters, let me. And I started to realize that I was hacking, using the word hacking my life to do the, tour, the chores or tasks of my house that I never before was responsible for. And I was doing them in a way that I was like, you know what? Remember, Brian, when you wake up on Saturday morning, you don't get to turn on golf or football until you have the laundry done and it's folded and it's actually in your thing. And, like, and I, when I started like realizing, like, I was like, well, I'm doing a good job with this, but why am I sucking at like <laughs> this in my business? So I started incentivizing myself with Chipotle. And I would say, uh, I don't get to go to lunch or dinner if I don't get the task. And, I, and I, what I do is I, the night before, at the end of the end of the day, I write down, okay, these are the things that I have to accomplish tomorrow. And like figuring out what those are has probably been the uh, also another journey, yeah. right? Because like yeah. we all know how that works with procrastination and our prioritization. But then I would take that sticky note and I'd stick it right on my computer. And I would know that if I hadn't completed those tasks by lunchtime, because that's what the first set of tasks were, that I would just not go to out to eat, out to lunch. And that to me was one of the best things that I because it kind of opened my mind to like, oh, look at this, Brian. All of a sudden, I mean, I I remember going like a couple months where four of the six days that I was working, I was accomplishing the things I needed to. And I really wasn't doing anything else like wild productivity hacks. It was just this idea where I was able to attach like this risk, this reward piece of it. Right. And it was, it was such a magical element. Right. And that, and I would also say like, for me, you combine that with like the medication and my travel life and having to live on my own for the first time and co-parenting with my, my three young daughters at the time were seven seven, five, and two. It was, I mean, talking about like a, a world that was kind of like living. And interestingly enough, like at that time, like I was rolling, like I, I had kind of like was figuring out these little things that kind of make it along, but it, it took five years until I realized that those were just hacks mm-hmm. and I wasn't very self-aware. And because, yeah. and this would be my lesson for any, I, it's the number one thing I could preach anything. I, and this sound, I would have never thought that that's where I had come, but because I was outgoing, because I was super confident in who I am, I've never been afraid to show up as myself. I blindly believed I was self-aware. <laughs> and it wasn't until a couple of aha moments when I started to like, oh, I need to put a camera on myself. I need to uh, run these time lapse in my, in my office that I, that I did to track my time. But then I also just started to realize like, why are certain collaborations and teamworks working in my business? Why, why did this speaker agent, like what are the things that are working, what are not working? And I just started to realize like, I didn't know myself enough to know how to surround people around me. I didn't know myself enough to tell people how to work with me best. And that to me was like the, and so although I did the hacks and the hacks were working and I'm I'm not even going to shy away from that being like, I'm juggling this world around me that like, and my career is taking off. I'm speaking on stages around the world. And yet I come home and like, I mean, I had to figure out this whole management of my life. The, The hacks were working, but I, I knew that it was still a hack and a grind and the self awareness that I've been on for now two and a half years has been a whole different level of productivity. I love it because I preach the same thing. There's this phrase of there's accidental success and then in, in excuse me, intentional success. 
Yes. So, so when we go with intention and, and then there's awareness, there's self-awareness, and then there is actionable self-awareness where it's like, right at two o'clock every day, I crash and burn. And that's just the way it is. I need to go have a nap. And yep. thank God I work on my, on my <laughs> own that I can have a nap. Right? right. So it's, it's those things that, that it sounds like you created in the last two years to say, right, here, here's where this goes. Here's where that goes and compartmentalizing it huge huge and giving myself grace and freedom that's it uh, i mean one of the best things was i felt a lot of guilt about being labeled as a generalist as a yes. lots of things and i would have people that would say you have all these projects that you've unfinished brian like what are you doing that like, you are a waste and i remember 2018 i gave in to like this my, my speaking career had taken off i had signed with an agent and everyone was telling me to do this one way. And I'd always walk my own way, but I also am one that says like, I don't know what I don't know. And how can I tell something that something doesn't work unless I'm willing to be open to it? And I did, I, I decided to quote unquote, like niche down to stop being the things that I was doing. And I lost myself. I lost my creativity. I lost my passion, my purpose. I felt, and although part of it started to succeed, like there were some elements in there that I was like, Ooh, this is a lot easier it just was not me. It was, I, I, I could feel it in my, in my bones. And so part of this self-awareness journey was realizing that all of these, I have a bunch of yellow sticky paper with all my notes and all my walls. Uh, and I have like, I mean, last count was like 131 Google docs just in 2021 alone. Like I believe it. I used, yeah. I used to look at that as a bunch of failed, like, like think unfinished projects, right? A lot of things and now I realize that's how I, that's how I learn. That's how I create. That is like my beautiful ability to succeed and, and be the person I am is in my, my desire to take like a half-baked idea that I believe is, is worth it, put some time into it and throw it out to the world with no ego, no desire to be perfect and say, let's, let's, let's like manufacture this into something that works. And it works for me. It's worked for me my entire life. And it wasn't until I like stopped it and then realized so now when I look at these half-finished projects that other people would look at half-finished projects, it's just, hey, Brian, that's, that's how you create. That's how you, you, you know, you, that's how you are allowing yourself to be your very best self. And that freedom, oh my goodness, is, mm-hmm. it's a, it is a beautiful thing. And, and I, I think that's where, I don't know if it's a late diagnosis thing, but like that, there are so many things that show up where I'm like, oh, imagine if I like early in my career where I remember taking over like these whiteboards in this room and I spent like a whole weekend because I didn't want to jeopardize my team. And, and I, I came up with this, all these amazing things. And at the end, like I brought the team in and we realized this is not going to work. That's I was like, it. No, this is not going to work. This is, this is, this is. And everyone telling me how much of a failure, how ashamed I should have been. Like I spent all that time. And I remember being like, what the heck am I doing? Like they're right. Like I, I, and now, like when I start to do like the brain dump from my head to the wall, which I do here in my office, it is like my, it's like, uh oh, watch out. This is where I'm, this is where I'm coming to my own. And like that, you know, like that transition, like 15 years, you know, 15 years ago, that was looked at for me was like, oh my gosh, this is where I'm going to show off the fact that I'm sporadic, chaotic, and a hot mess. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, hey, this is, if you love me, this is part of the journey of me being able to love me and put me out to the world. That's it. It's your creative process. And whether something comes out of it or not, we owe that to our brain. And on that note, I want to, I'm looking at a book called Refuse to Choose by Barbara Schur. And she talks about this shiny object and the scanners. She calls us the scanners, even though the book wasn't written for ADDers, but it's like really the ADHD Bible <laughs> of, 
here's all the things that we will do. And I've always said in my podcast, my basement is full of unfinished projects. Oh, yeah. And I had the same thing about, you know, Kathy, you never finish anything. But now coming to that same realization of it's my creative process. Can I talk to a developer? Yes, I can. Can I talk to somebody who's in martial arts? Yes, I can. Because I've started all this shit and didn't finish yep. it. <laughs> but it was the curiosity of it. So I'm a good social person, I guess, right? Sure. And and that's exactly what I see in this, Brian, is, is so... And, and, and you're standing in your truth, my friend. And I congratulate you. I salute you for that truth that, that you're in. And not for a second do I want to glamorize the look at us with our ADHD we figured it out right right because there is that other side of it there's the struggle side of it and I know you talked to that what yes. have you got to say about that side of it that's a big one right I think that's I think because I think the beauty is finding our strengths and leaning into them but it's also not ignoring our weaknesses and ignoring our limitations and for me and this is different for everyone I've I've always been a very transparent person like since I was young I, and always, and I, I didn't really know why that was. And I'm also a very emotional person since, and my brothers are not at, not at all. Even my youngest brother who has ADHD, which also is one of those things whenever you have a sibling that it has, you know, what you have, it's very easy to, uh, for us to dismiss certain things because one of them doesn't have it. Right. And we've all seen mm. that. Like, in, like, I feel like the more I'm into the ADHD community, I think it's beautiful. Like you can't just have one or two people in this community, Like you have to have lots to realize like yes. that the breath kind of hits some of us and not of us. And and, and so for me, like when I, when I was able to kind of look at some of these like limitations or some of these things that I go on, on in my life, like I had to figure out, like I, I knew I've known my entire life. And this is another ADHD piece is like I handling criticism, hand, handling, you know, and I played college hockey, very competitive hockey. And I was the kid since I was young that if a coach berated me or yelled at me, I would cry. And as a boy, and this isn't, but I would cry, just sit on the, and, but I, became very comfortable in knowing people were going to make fun of me for crying mm. only because I knew that like, that's how I accept, like, that's how I took the feedback and that I would go on the ice and score two goals and come back and like, look at them and like sit down. Cause I, that's kind of, I was always motivated. Like, Oh, you're going to, you're going to judge me. You're going to cast stones. Like, you know who I was or who I am. And like that element of like my emotion, like, and I'm hyper emotional right now. Like my daughters love, like they'll, they'll see a story on thing and they'll come over and give me a hug because they know I'm gonna get emotional on that journey. And it's beautiful because like my dad, I've, I've seen him cry twice in his life when he lost both of his parents. My dad smiles very rarely. I wake up smiling. I cry almost every day I watch a TV show. And so for me, like those th type of things, like understanding like, Brian, you weren't, you weren't broken and you weren't like, you know, like, I mean, I remember going into the locker room and being like, toughen up like you man up like all those things and I was very blessed that I had a support system a family and the way that I was able to compartmentalize that was to let my emotions come out and then to go succeed to prove people wrong yeah I know there are others that are not on that same piece of that right and there are things that we will that we will take in we will we will body you know embody and we will all accept these things in different ways and they'll show up different ways and I think it's important to like understand that element because I think yeah. we have to be aware of that and we also have to be aware of this you know especially from a late diagnosis like the amount of of things that I look at in this in this struggle where if someone just would have told me like you're going to continue to struggle with that, right? And I, I think your point was like, we're not mastering this like ADHD. What we're figuring out is that we have the ability to work on ourselves continually and that it is going to be a journey. And, and, and so the thing that I learned as I started becoming more emotional, 
as I be started becoming kind of tapping into these pieces of me, I understood like therapy wasn't something that existed in my family. Of course, like we didn't talk about medicine, mental health, therapy, sex, all those things. And my, my, my parents are rock stars, amazing humans that I just love them to death. They've been there for me every step of the way throughout my entire life. And, and it just wasn't my nature, wasn't the culture, wasn't where we grew up. And I'm doing different with my daughters, right? My daughters know when my alarm goes off at 2.40, as it just mm -hmm. did. They're like, daddy, it's Adderall time. And like very open about all of these things. And so part of that for me in this coping was I realized the more transparent I could be online, in my life, and my people I work with, the less pressure it would put on me to hide or escape these things that I, I couldn't escape. And it's been amazing. But I know on that same level that not everyone's prepared for that, right? My clients, yeah. every client knows I have ADHD, knows I take Adderall in the afternoon. They're very aware of that. Now, I, I will tell you when I worked at the US government and had the highest civilian clearance, I wasn't diagnosed, so I don't have this as, but there is zero chance that it would have been. I mean, yeah. I, I was casted when we found out we were pregnant with my first kid. I blasted it everywhere because I wanted to be my dad a whole my, my entire life. And I got pulled into an uh, executive office and was told, you might need to check yourself on talking about being a dad because a lot of people up here on this floor are going to question your dedication to being an executive. Oh my God. And I remember it verbatim. And at the time I bit my tongue, which is very not a quality that I have all the time. And unfortunately he didn't know as he's telling me this, that we had found out we had a miscarriage. So not, I had put on, we'd put on blast and found out we had a miscarriage two days. And then I come in and get this like, and I remember going back and I was, I had told my wife at the time and I was like, you know what, when we have our next kid, I'm gonna be louder. I'm gonna be like, you know, cause like that was like my thing. And the irony, the cool thing of that is two years later, we found out we were pregnant with my, my oldest who's Chloe and I was in his office. I had moved my, my, I got promoted. Now he wasn't there. He had left the company. So it wasn't like, I just like, you know, he got his lesson, but the, the, I sat in that for nine months of the pregnancy of realizing the person that told me that I couldn't be who I was and or I celebrate this thing that I've looked forward to my entire life because quote unquote, to be dedicated. And I share that because, you know, timing and the world and understanding where these things are, is such an important factor too. Yes. And so like, for me as a futurist, like my, like my job, I say like, my goal is to help audiences, leadership, brands, and businesses find the harmony between technology and humanity. That's where, that's the place I like to play. And for me, playing on that space is that we are living in a beautiful time right now in 2021. And I say beautiful, not because I'm dismissing the things that are going on around us, but I'm, I'm saying it from the sense of we are allowing ourselves, the world, each one of us look at each other and ask ourselves, what are our priorities? We're also reminding ourselves that we are much more alike than we are different. But the things that make us different are what we connect with, or what we bond with, or what we find our tribe, where we get these feelings. And so I look at it as like, yes, I don't believe my time at the government, if I had been as transparent and open about my ADHD, would it have been accepted? Mm -hmm. But I'm a big believer, and part of my mission is to make sure that the government and the world, those worlds that would have existed for me then in 2021 are open to that. And not only open, we, we know there's some protection, but there's a whole nother element of like, how we let people in, how we tell these stories, how we connect the dots. And so that to me is like the beautiful part. Of, I believe we're at it 2021. I, my, like my phrase on that is like, I think we need to ask ourselves a lot of the questions that we, at, we answered previously and answer them again in 2021, like with what we learned about like the world and like everyone being forced to work from home and like these things about like, guess what? You know, your executive, your boss puts their pants on the same way and their mm -hmm. kids are up their Zoom calls, right? And like, they get frustrated and like, and so 
for me, like, I think it's important to not hide, you know, some of the, the downsides also, you know, when I talk about medicine, I also make sure to talk about my brother's case as well. Like I am yeah. not, you know, I'm a big believer. You're going to find what works best for you in clubhouse two months ago, I was sharing the ADHD story and someone that was in the room runs a brain a training center, a focus on ADHD. And she's like, Hey, have you ever had like a neuromapping test? And I was like, no, and I was like, send me some information. Cause I'm a computer guy. Like, Hey, let's do, mm-hmm. let's, let's hack the greatest gift we have, which is our brain, right? Which is, we spend no time uh, refining. And sure enough, we figured out my partner, she lives in Atlanta and I was down there visiting her that the brain training center was six miles from her house. And 24 hours after meeting uh, Melissa, I was sitting in her room doing one of the brain mappings there. I think it's EEG or QEEG scan of my brain. And oh my goodness, the discovery of She's like, wait a second, Brian, this isn't, you're not like, she was going through it. She's like, that's not the normal ADHD. Like, I'm used to seeing this and this. She's like, oh, wait a second. Yep, this. And like, so one of the things was on mine is the, the size of my brains are flipped since, hence the not going to sleep, hence the hyper emotion. Wow. And it was, and so she's gonna be on my podcast. I haven't, we, have, we haven't booked it yet because I have my results. She is like a 16 page like printout. And we're going to talk about it fully open, just kind of like, because like for cool. me, it was amazing discovering it. Now there are some, training that they would go into like through and so like some of that sounds a little woo-woo to me I'm being honest and also some of it was like like thank god for clubhouse exposing me to this so that I could go to the test but then also thank god for like clubhouse we connected right thank and I and I was and I'll say like to me that's also when you start to like recognize all of these things in your life that kind of play you know we kind of juggle all these different balls not only does it help you with you but like the person I was on the call with before this um is a super close friend and she just got diagnosed within the last six months and her life has been going through a lot of things and she's a public figure. And if it wasn't for clubhouse exposing me to the characteristics that I wasn't aware of, and some of them I don't have, I wouldn't have been able to relate to her to be mm-hmm. able to connect with her and now be on this journey with her. And I had the call with her, and I, which is why I even jumped on a minute later. So here, cause I was excited to come in and talk to you. Cause I told her like, this, this is the whole piece, right? Like we're not, we're not going to give like, there's not like a perfect setup. You know, like you can't redesign your day to like be like the greatest ADHD, ADHD no. day of your life. But I do think like the more we can understand, the more we can lean in, try things. And the more we can just give ourselves that grace, like you said, take a nap and not feel guilty about it. Right. Like I am yeah. self-care, self-love and even communicating with my partner. And, you know, that's a whole nother world of now realizing like, oh my goodness, like these things that I would manifest or shy away that I would either blame on someone else or I would I would create a scenario that mm-hmm. didn't allow this like weakness of mine to be exposed and by creating that scenario made this other person's life more difficult and I just wasn't aware I I, I mean and so that's a whole nother piece of this of this journey but I, I do think you know there are we can look at it from a superpower perspective we can look at it from like the vulnerabilities but we can also look at it and say you know every human is flawed every no one is perfect and that when we when we're able to kind of throw it all on the wall, we can start to mix and match. There are some amazing things that we can do that make us, I'd like to say better, make us, allow us to do things that others probably couldn't. And I think that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, amazing. I was just like, like, usually I hold these sessions for about 30 minutes, but I'm like, I don't want to hang up. This is great. <laughs> Let's keep going. But Brian, thank you so much. Everything you said, it just logical, inspirational, makes so much sense. And for the listeners, it's, it is a journey. And each of us in this diagnosis are at different phases of it. And, you know, I'm about three and a half years into it all the way to the point that now I, I'm a few steps ahead of some, maybe I like to say, 
But then some days I have my backtrack. Oh, I'm back to the beginning again and let's redo it again. So it's, it's that it's, it's the journey, embrace it, be in the process. And I know that sounds very coachy of me to say, trust the process. It's a process, but it is what it is. It is. And, and just embrace it and, and tapping into that curiosity and reevaluating and leaning into your strength and just being nice to yourself. Like those are all the things that I just heard from you. So absolutely. I am amazed and honored and can i just say i would like to interview your mother at some point because she sounds really <laughs> kick-ass yes, and how she awesome. raised the boys with adhd like amazing woman let's just give some shout yeah. outs to Brian. Yeah, my dad my dad traveled for his business monday through friday my entire life oh my life. goodness so she ran the house ran the three oh, boys and bless all, her heart. all happy and successful she has six granddaughters so she feels like the uh, the payoff was in the end when she got her six granddaughters. So well, thank you. Yeah, and I'm very blessed. And I Amazing. feel like being able to see that now through a dad's eyes with my my daughters. And I'll share like for me like this is a journey, right? Like now seeing it through, like I have to sit in these rooms. And we did a very good job of we didn't really kind of expose a lot of like what I had gone through to the doctor. We wanted the doctor to kind of look at things for what they were, and now we're kind of welcoming in. And so the thing that I've leaned in for right now, and we're still kind of figuring out a lot of this journey, is like I just wanted my daughter to know. She wasn't alone and that, you know, like her brain worked differently. And the cool thing was, so did daddy's brain, right? And so we have a hand sign we throw up, which is a half heart. And so anytime she's reading, she's sitting with her sisters. She was doing it yesterday. We were doing Legos and I could just see like the frustration of like lack of creativity that she was having. And her sisters were doing things, younger sister and her older. Bless her heart. She's a middle child. I was, I'm the oldest. I felt like I had a, I, I was lucky because I could pave the way I could disrupt and I could blame yeah. my brothers for <laughs> she's the youngest. So she has that, but I, you know, I just flash that half heart and she flashes it back and it's like that like moments. And so I, that's yeah. where I would leave for everyone here. Like late diagnosis, parents, kids. I think the, the, the reminder, like, Hey, our, our, our world works a little different and a lot of things in the world aren't set up exactly for us to be optimized, but that's okay. We're going to find our own path. And I think that's the journey I'm on with my, my daughter. And I know of all of the pieces of, me, of it for me, this is the piece that we are going, we do, I do a lot of videos that no one has seen yet where I'm kind of documenting it from a dad's view. My daughter does some documentation um, so we can help educate on that side, just from my perspective. It. So thank you for having me. Thank you. And you know, this is the power of clubhouse. I, I will say, I've been very comfortable with my ADHD. I'm working on it. And in the four months that I've been on that app, it's been one of those things where finding your people. And I spend a lot of time on the app and people will say that. And, but I spend over half of it in mental health rooms and brain rooms and the ADHD rooms. And it's filling my cup in ways that I didn't know I was missing. And so thank you for doing what you're doing. Thank you for having me on this. This was uh, awesome. a heck of a lot of fun. It was awesome. Thank you so much, Brian. Well, folks, there you have it. As I said, another shiny star and his name is Brian Fanzo and he just gave a whole lot of awesomeness and, and his experiences. So, and I will, but in the show notes, put all of the links. He has a couple of videos on productivity and ADHD, which I loved. So I'll link into those. So until next time, my friends, keep on shining.